This morning, I'd like to speak to you about who the Holy Spirit and what the baptism of the Spirit is. As we look at this moment, today we would refer to as Pentecost Sunday, the 50th day after Passover. And Pentecost Sunday is an important event in church history because it really is the birth of the church. And it happened in Acts chapter 2, and i just like to look at that. Acts chapter 2 says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It was his disciples. About 120 of them there were gathering and praying up in the upper room. And it says that they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. One of the things that I love about the Bible is that God puts in Scripture things that are necessary for us to understand who He is. And if we just look at the text and not run from it, then we will begin to see that God actually has a plan and a purpose for this event. And, and a lot of times when, when, when I was growing up, I remember that whenever you would mention speaking in tongues, it became almost taboo. It was like you don't talk about that. It's just some crazy thing that, that people do, you know, when they're on the side, you know, inside their homes. And, and this is not for the church. But yet I want you to understand that God's word is God's word and that there is not one thing in here that I think is of error. It is God's word. It is God breathed. And if we would just embrace the text, we will begin to see that there is a purpose for this and that it's a gift from the father that he has promised to us. And we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit just like they received it on the day of Pentecost. But people with their rational minds begin to say, no, 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 no. There's just no way that that the Holy Spirit can come upon me. I am a believer in Christ and the Holy Spirit is already inside of you. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. The Spirit of God lives in all of us. When we get saved, it's His Spirit that comes in us and marks us and and seals us. And and, and in the spiritual realm, God sees these are my children. His Spirit is inside of us. But there is something else that God has offered us called the baptism. And we're going to look at that. And so I want you to just keep in mind that this is what the Scripture says. I'm not hitting trying to tell you my interpretation. I'm trying to show you what Scripture says because it is one of those things that will help you in life. So the festival of Pentecost was the second of three festivals where all of the people were required to gather at Jerusalem. It was 50 days after Passover. It literally means 50. It was seven weeks plus one. And it was on this Sunday that people were gathering. It was also called the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks or the Day of the First Fruits. It was to celebrate the harvest. It was a day where people were all over the world would return to celebrate. And it is here where the disciples were in the upper room. Mind you, these people were believers. When Jesus Christ died and rose again, what happened? The veil was torn in two. The presence of God that was inside this temple now has the ability to live in us. And so the believers that were there in in the upper room 
received, already received the mark, the seal, the Holy Spirit inside of them. Well, how can I say this? Because in the book of John, Jesus was talking about one day there will be rivers of life flowing out of you. And he meant that the Holy Spirit who had not yet come because Jesus had not yet been glorified, meaning he had not yet rose from the dead. And later on in John, because John says that the Spirit of God had not yet come, Later on in John, John chapter 20, the Bible says that Jesus tells his disciples, receive the spirit. That at that moment, his believers, because of his resurrection and the veil was torn and the presence of God no longer was going to live in a temple made by man, but he was going to live in the temple, the body of Christ, our human beings who believe and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is going to live inside of us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's Pentecost Sunday. I should say Holy Ghost, right? Because, I mean, you've got to bust out the King James on, on, on Pentecost Sunday. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God. And that's why when you saw on the day of Pentecost, fire came down because it signifies this is holy. This is where I choose to live. The same thing when Solomon first dedicated the temple. He made all this sacrifice in heaven. Fire from heaven came down. And God says, this is where I will dwell. And he made it as a sign for the temple. Not the second temple, the first temple. Because the second temple was just rebuilt. God already said, this is where I'm going to be. And now fire comes down. On the day of Pentecost, and this is where God's Spirit is going to be. People will say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, that was just a one event. That was just for the church so that it starts off and it kind of everyone, you know, shows that, hey, this is our grand opening, right? Well, let me tell you something. God isn't into marketing, Right? God is into saying, this is my will. This is what I want to do. And so it wasn't just a one-time thing. If you look over in a few chapters in Acts chapter 10, it says, while Peter was still speaking the words, he's talking to Cornelius, these Roman centurion, this Roman soldier who had all his family there wanting to hear from Peter. It says that while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on them who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter... This is just a nice way of saying the Jewish people, the people that, that where the message was going to come from, the Jewish people were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Here is an event outside of the day of Pentecost, later on, where Cornelius is there and he's listening to Peter's message and something in his heart is burning, that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the truth, and it's just a raging fire within him. And at some point he gave his life to the Lord because we know that only only the presence of God will fill someone who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so he is a believer. But Cornelius was so hungry that God says, you know what? I'm not going to wait. Boom! And he pours out the gift on them. And they begin to speak in other tongues. They begin to speak in other tongues. Now people were there, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They weren't Jews. And they heard them. Now some people say, well, there's no such thing as baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Those words aren't in there. Listen to what John said in Matthew 3, John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Jesus is the baptizer. Jesus is the one who baptizes us. So you have the day of Pentecost where the the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon the, the disciples that were gathered. Then you have this Gentile who receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues. And now you have later on in chapter 19 of Acts. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Notice what Paul asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul knows that we receive the Holy Spirit when we believe. Paul knows. Why? Because we know about this in Romans. He writes about this in Corinthians. He writes throughout this all his letters that we have received in the book of of Ephesus. Talks about we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit as a mark, a guarantee of our salvation. Paul knows this and he asked these people, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked then, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Once again, Paul runs into these believers. They've only been baptized in the water And he says, hey, that's just a baptism of repentance. Hey, you need to believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden he places a hand on them. And because their hearts desired the gift that God promised them, they began to speak in other tongues. People always, always question the speaking in tongues. Why is that? Because number one, It sounds foolish to your ears. When you begin to pray in the spirit and pray in tongues, the devil's going to remind you, oh, that's just gibberish. Look how, listen how silly you are. You're so educated. You know big words. And yet you're sitting there saying something you don't even understand because the Holy Spirit has baptized you and given you this spiritual language to pray in, to worship in. That's foolish. And so we don't like to look foolish. We don't like to to give the impression that we are not in control. We don't like that. But Jesus knew what was going on. Jesus was the one who said in Luke 24, I'm going to send you to what I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, this is after he rose from the dead. I want you guys to stay in Jerusalem and I am going to give you what the father has promised from on high. You got to ask yourself, do you think Jesus knew what was going to happen? Of course he did. And yet he says, I approve of this. This is what I desire, that my people have the power from on high. And we'll know that that power is meant for witnessing and telling people with boldness, Jesus Christ is the one. But he wants them to have power. Paul wants them to have power, and he placed his hands on them. And they received 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. The Bible is showing us in the book of Acts that Jesus, what Jesus promised the disciples in the upper room, what they experienced, and it continued on with Cornelius, continued on with Paul in Ephesus, and Paul continues to speak about it in Corinthians. Now, Paul is in Corinthians trying to teach the church how to have church. You know, sometimes things get a little crazy in church. Sometimes things get out of order, and, and it's not always for the benefit of the people there. And so Paul is trying to tell them how to have an orderly service. And this is what he says in, in 14.5 of 1 Corinthians. I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. People use this verse and they say, aha, we need all to be prophets in church. We all have to be prophets because prophets is better. No, that's not what Paul said. Paul says, I'd rather, I'd rather you speak in tongues, but if you don't have an interpretation, it doesn't benefit the church. Just like today, Ray blessed us with a word that God inspired and laid on his heart. But what if he said it in pig Latin? It would be no benefit to me. But yet he spoke it in a language I could understand. And that's why prophecy is so good because it helps us understand what's going on. Unless, Paul says, unless someone interprets that speaking in tongues is valid, but you must have an interpretation. Where? In a church setting. That's why in the book of Acts, when they were there praying, they were all praying as individuals, a personal time of prayer. And that's why there was no interpreter needed for that when i pray in the spirit in my own personal uh prayer time or worship i don't need an interpreter because i am praying in a spiritual language that god has given me and it is a perfect language it is praying the perfect will of god it is speaking to god clearly clearly and so paul is telling them listen in order in church prophecy is more useful because people understand it but Paul adds a personal note later on in the, in the chapter. He says this, I thank God I speak more in tongues more than all of you. I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's not bragging. He's just letting you know that there is something unique about speaking in tongues. There is something powerful about speaking in a spiritual language that God gives you. And yes, it will sound foolish at first. And yes, you will even doubt yourself at times. But you must know that God is going to, to use that prayer in such a powerful way. Whenever I feel overwhelmed, I just pray in tongues. Whenever I feel scared, I pray in tongues. Whenever I just want to worship the Lord just because he is so good, I pray in tongues i love it i do we were driving home from a volleyball game one time and this was when we had those straight winds that came through a few years ago it took out our tree here it was a really bad storm and we were over in blue earth and we're driving in our little acura and the, the the rain started to come in and fairmont was being hit first as it moved its way over to blue earth and so as we're driving on the highway i'm cruising you know because Listen, either I, I go home or I go to heaven. You know, this, this is my only object when I drive. I'm going to get somewhere. And so I'm just going home and my wife's saying, hey, slow down. It's, it's raining out pretty good. And I said, <laughs> rain has no hold on me, baby. Boom, and I'm driving down the highway. We're cruising. Then I get this phone call from my son, Tony. And, and this is literally the conversation. Dad, 
I said, what? The tree, it's on the roof. Click. What? Sorry, if you'd like to leave a voicemail for Tony, don't. And our neighbor's tree went on their roof. <laughs> I found that out later. But I'm going, and all of a sudden, the wind started picking up on the highway. And the car started shaking. And we started to lose control and slowed down to the point where I couldn't even see. The wipers are going so fast, couldn't even see. It was coming down so much. Pulled under an underpass. And the first thing I said was, and I began to pray in tongues. My daughter says, that's when I knew dad was scared. Because it is something powerful that brings edification and peace when you pray in something that God has given you as a gift. It is such a beautiful thing. And that's why Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Jesus came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit, the gift that the Father promised to us. And over the years, people have continued to receive that gift. But if we want to have a deep understanding of why the Holy Spirit is so important, we need to have a deep understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And so over the next couple weeks, we are going to dive into who is the Holy Spirit and why baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important for us. When we start to think about personalities, all of us, each of us have different personalities. A personality contains certain elements, intellect, sensibility, and will. Intellect involves the mind and the power of reasoning, judging, comprehending, Sensibility, the power to feel or to receive sensation, pleasurable or painful, emotions, will, the ability to choose or to act and self-determine. And the Holy Spirit's personality shows all of this as well. His mind in Romans 8, 27, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with with the will of God, that the Holy Spirit has the ability to comprehend, to think, to reason, to judge. He also has the sensibility, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, that, that the Holy Spirit feels and reacts to the decisions that we make, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can cause and uh, a sensation that is painful and not pleasurable. He has sensibility. He also has will. First Corinthians twelve eleven says, "We um, all these are the works of the one and the same Spirit, and distributes them to each one just as He, as the Spirit determines." That when we are saved, God gives us spiritual gifts. This isn't talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about gifts that God gives us to be teachers and preachers, to be givers and people of faith. All these spiritual gifts that God gives us, it's the Holy Spirit that decides, hey, this is you, this is you, this is you. And the nice thing about having the spiritual gifts that are unique and different from all of us is that we are all different tools of a toolbox that God is using to build the body of Christ. You know, how, how, much, how much construction can we really do if all of us were just hammers? How much construction? <laughs> we could do a lot of destruction. <laughs> I know some churches like that, a bunch of hammers. 
But God wants to put in there the screwdriver and the level and the measuring tape. God wants to use all of us, and the Holy Spirit determines each gift that we have. So he has the ability to make decisions, to react with sensibility, and to determine what he desires. And there are just several activities that the Holy Spirit is at work in, and this is what I want to close with today. The Holy Spirit's activities. Will, I know if you need to leave, I understand that. The Holy Spirit's activities. He reveals things of God. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For whom is, who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. He reveals things about God. The reason why I love being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is that you begin to understand God like never before. He reveals who he is to us. He knows, he knows, it says this, that he knows the thoughts of God. Who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? That the Holy Spirit reveals things to us about who he is, about who the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is. It is so important to to get close to the Lord so that he can reveal these things. Matter of fact, even in my personal devotions today, I was reading about the disciples and they asked him, how come you always speak in parables? And Jesus says, because these things have been hidden from them, them, but they have been revealed to you. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals it. When Peter said, hey, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, Jesus said, this wasn't revealed to you because you read it in Reader's Digest. I don't even know if that magazine's still around. But you didn't learn about it. You didn't learn about it because you read about it or because someone told you. You learned about it because it was revealed to you. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us. He teaches us the Word of God. John 14, 26 says that the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is coming so that he will teach us and remind us of everything that he, Jesus, has said to us. When you grow close to the Spirit of God, when you become sensitive and learn to listen and hear the Spirit, you will begin to understand Jesus like never before. And what did Jesus say? That if you really want to know the Father, know me. If you really want to know the Father, know me. And Jesus says that the Spirit of God is going to come. I'm going to send him. And he is going to show you and tell you my words. And he will teach them to you. The Bible says that the Spirit of God intercedes for us. Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. I don't know how many times I'm so thankful that God prays for me, that he watches out for me. He intercedes. Intercession prayer is asking God to interject himself in your situation. And how many are so thankful that there are times where God has interjected himself in your situation and he has saved you from embarrassment or hardship or heartache. 
He intercedes. The Holy Spirit confirms truth in us. John 15, 26 says, When the Spirit comes, he will, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he testifies about me. He confirms truth in us. Why do you think over 2,000 years people are still willing to give up all of their life to follow someone they've never seen, they never heard, and they never witnessed with their eyes, this man named Jesus? Why would people just give up their whole life? Because the Spirit of God confirms that it's true. There's just something inside of you that just says, I know, I know, I know Jesus is real. I've been doing studies in different, different topics, and, and sometimes it takes me off into different views of God, some negative views. Some people have interpreted God as a part of a pantheon, just a, another God and another universe and all these different things. And, I, and I, I research a lot of stuff, and so I'm learning about all different types of beliefs and different types of gods that people believe in. But you know what's so amazing? After I research all this stuff, there's just something inside of me that says, I know, Jesus, you still are the one, the true God. I know it. I know it. There's something inside of us, and it's the Spirit that teaches us truth. The Holy Spirit lives with us and in us. John 14 tells us the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit is inside of me because the Bible says that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The Bible says that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in us. You're more powerful than you think. You have more ability than you think because it's the Spirit of God that is inside you. It's not your ability. It's not your fight. It's not your strength. It's not by your word, your power, your might, but it is by the Spirit of God, and he lives in us. Finally, he speaks to us. The Bible says in Revelation 2, Several times in chapter 2 and 3, it says this, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is not done speaking to the church. The Holy Spirit is not done speaking to the church. He continues to speak to us. Why? Because he wants to guide us and direct us and help us and encourage us and motivate us so that we will one day look Christ in the eyes and he will welcome us home to the Father.